friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Okay, Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Holy shnikes, what a weekend. And I did not want to use the word shnikes. I'm Tim McAuliffe. This. Is Tim and friends, and man, do we have a lot to talk about today. I know most Mondays are busy for sports talk, but this is especially crazy. No, I mean, okay. Get in on the action anytime at Tim and friends, Twitter, Instagram. Jesse Rubinoff, as always, has got you covered, and we are going to want and need your interaction today. I hope those weren't gang signs dropped by Jesse Rubinoff. <laughs> no, I don't think they were. Good. No, I won't do it again, though. Is that what we've been missing in all those other NHL divisions? I mean, what in the good name of Yuri Bubla was all that this weekend? Is that the best start to the Stanley Cup playoffs in NHL history? I'm going to have to take a minute, and I'll do it in first things first. Whatever the hell that was, it was glorious. Sarah Nurse also going to pop by to discuss the start of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. In fact... In a year of nurses, we have two dropping by today. Nick Nurse, head coach of the Toronto Raptors, no relation, will come through in about 20 minutes' time. That's right, the Raptors season mercifully over. The season from hell ends at 27-45. and 45. The team's worst record in almost a decade. The team will also miss the playoffs for the first time since 2013. My daughter, who turns nine today... Appreciate it. Appreciate the These are how we do things in pandemic and lockdown. My nine-year-old daughter has basically only seen them as a good to great team. Like, that's crazy for many of us who have been around for a long time watching this club. And it all came to an end this year after, perhaps fittingly, they were only able to field a six-man rotation in their loss to the Pacers last night. Sunday's starters represented the 38th different starting unit of the season. 38 in 72 games, the most in the NBA, and frankly, a bit of a joke. And if you think it's over, hell to the nah. The offseason might be just as crazy when you remember Masai Ujiri and Kyle Lowry are basically free agents right now. But just like the maybe parable, this could turn out well when all said and done. Listen, I'm not saying this is the 1997 Spurs team that lost David Robinson and limped to an injury-riddled 20-62 and 62, only to hand the reins to some guy named Greg Popovich and then select Tim Duncan first overall. I'm not saying that, but I'm also not not saying it. Just as the Chinese farmer in the parable, all I'm saying is maybe... We'll ask Nick Nurse if maybe is enough. Speaking of ball, the play-in tournaments are set, and the game everyone wanted to see was secured for Wednesday. Lakers v. Warriors, one game for the right to move on after the Lakers won their last five but still finished seventh in the West. Seventh in the West with a record of 42-30. and 30. The Warriors 
won their last six, led by Steph Curry, who just became the second player in NBA history to win a scoring title after turning 33. The other guy? Some dude named Michael Jordan. It was enough to get LeBron James to lie. We're playing uh, uh, versus, in my, in my opinion, the MVP of our league this year, um, and Steph. Okay, maybe he wasn't lying, but he was politicking. Y'all know damn well if he was playing Denver, Jokic would have been the MVP. If he was playing the Bucks, Giannis would have been the MVP. As Tupac once told me, I ain't mad at you. Just understand, either way, this is going to be fun. East playing starts tomorrow, West going on Wednesday. So check your local listings for all your coverage. Uh, Also a big week from the Toronto Blue Jays. Now a season high. Five games over 500 after taking two of three from the Phillies over the weekend. Jays are 15-7 and over their last 22 and now sit just one and a half games back of Boston for first in the East. But the top four are tighter than a bull's butt during fly season. That's right. Top four separated by just two games. They got to close their butts because the flies. Never mind. You you could you, you do the mental math on that one. Blue Jays now <laughs> line up in the American League East over the next little while. Three versus the Red Sox starting tomorrow. Four versus Tampa on Friday. Then three versus the Yankees in the Bronx starting a week tomorrow. Good time to get hot, and maybe, just maybe, God forbid, healthy. Healthy? We talking about bodies? More Jays talk coming up. Second hour, my co-host Donovan Bennett, who also has something special for y'all on Bo Bichette. But look at here. What a week we got underway in the National Hockey League. Full stop. All right? I have to savor this. I have never talked about a Leafs Habs playoff series in my life. Look at my hairline. Look. Sorry. If you can find it, look at my hairline. It has been a while. This is going to be better than ice cream. And I love ice cream. Full stop. I have covered two all-Canadian playoff series at the same time. Like twice in my 20-plus year career. Buckle the seatbelt, get the popcorn ready, whatever you want to say, and make Tim and Friends the spot to keep you up to date on all of it. Every playoff night begins right here on Tim and Friends. In fact, this week, we're going to be doing a couple of extra one-hour shows on Sportsnet West to get you set for the Jets and Oilers on Wednesday and Friday, 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 5.30 as we move time zones, and uh, we'll get more on that a little later on in the week. But let's get to the news of the day. Less than 24 hours after hearing that Jack Campbell will start in goal for the Leafs on Thursday, we find out Carey Price is starting against Toronto tonight. Now, before your drawers get all bunched up too much, Price and Brendan Gallagher are playing for the Laval Rocket tonight against the Toronto Marlies. Price gets his first action since April 19th. Probably shouldn't have used the term action, but you know what I'm talking about. Gallagher in the lineup for the first time since April 4th. 
More on that in the top stories of the day at 6 Eastern. But I went a long way to get to this. First things first. Cue Biggie. First things first. Holy bleep, that was fun. The Stanley Cup playoffs began with a bang. Just the kind of jolt we all needed, especially those of us who can't play golf. Or just remain on lockdown. That's right, kids. After a most irregular regular season, there has been a heightened sense of anticipation heading into these playoffs, especially here in Canada, where it already feels like we have been waiting for weeks for the Jets and Oilers and, like, I don't know, 42 years for the Habs and Leafs. But if you were locked down and watching hockey, the opening weekend did not disappoint. Wilson up with it. Wilson left it. Oshie fire scores! TJ Oshie with a shot that gets through, and the Capitals win game one in overtime. Into the Penguin zone. Three and a half to go here in OT. Paul Mary with a shot. He scores! Kyle Paul Mary, his second today, and the Islanders take game one. A steal, Greenway. Goes to work for the Wild. Centers one. Erickson Eck with a shot. He scores! Jewel Erickson Eck. He's the hero. Minnesota wins game one in overtime. It's the first time in Stanley Cup playoff history that we open the postseason with three straight games going to overtime. Bucci Main right might run out of gear before this puppy is all said and done. Man. It had hockey feel, hockey fans, excuse me, feeling like the cotton candy girl at the Mariners game. Just excited. Great games, great storylines, and the fans in the stands to put it over the top. Soon to be 40-year-old Craig Anderson with the nice haircut, stepping in to rescue the Caps. Kyle Palmieri matching his goal total in 17 regular season games with the Isles with the two, including the game winner against the Pens in game one. And we told you Minnie had a shot. We told you Minnie had a shot. Cam Talbot made us look good, helping steal the game for the while. But little did we know, that was just the appetizer, the amuse-bouche, if you will, for the tasty Sunday night dinner served up by the first-ever postseason Battle of Florida. Stamkos holding, feeding Hedman, late pass, they score! Kucherov! What rust? <laughs> There's no rust. Here comes Huberto breaking in off the turnover. Huberto to the net. Huberto spins it in front, tip and scores! What an incredible play by Jonathan Huberto. Tippett gets the goal, but this is all Huberto. There's a big hit along the sideboards. Down is Duclair. Huge hit by Bennett in the corner. And there's a Tampa skater slow to get up. It was Coleman. And McDonough looking to spring the break. It's Braden Points. Scores! Braden Points with a minute 14 left in regulation has given the Lightning the lead. It might have been the game of the year. Braden Point ending it with just 74 seconds away from a fourth straight overtime to start the playoffs. The Sunshine Showdown was just the fourth playoff game in NHL history with four lead changes. There were 17 penalties, including five matching minors that created four-on-four situations that opened up the ice. 
and a couple of plays that we may be talking about a little later on. All of it in front of an electric crowd in Sunrise. I can't believe I'm saying this, but good on you, Florida. John Cooper said ahead of the playoffs that he expected the series to be high intensity right off of the bat because of the bad blood that already existed from all of the regular season matchups, and boy, was he right. Cooper also said he initially didn't expect to have Nikita Kucherov back until round number two, but the Hart Trophy winner looked like he hadn't missed a beat in game one, scoring two goals in his first game in nearly eight months, returning like Willy Wonka, as pointed out by Nick D'Souza on Twitter. Now, that wasn't quite the reaction that Kucherov's return and performance got from Panthers fans who have a sudden distaste in their mouth for NHL salary cap rules, most of whom didn't know about those very same rules a week ago, even though Uncle Timmy was talking about them at the deadline. And if that wasn't enough to wet your whistle, then I don't know what to say, other than wetting your whistle sounds kind of (laughs) gross. Either way, as if waiting for the North wasn't grueling enough, that kind of start makes me more excited than my first grade nine dance. Jets, Oilers, Habs, Leafs, Wednesday, Thursday. Have you heard Habs and Leafs first playoff matchup since 1979? Just a little more patience up here in the great white North. We are getting used to that term. Just a little more patience, like the vaccine rollout and fans in the stands here in Canada. We're going to have to wait a little longer. But if absence indeed makes the heart grow fonder, this could be an absolutely epic Stanley Cup playoffs on the horizon. And ironically enough, it just might be the familiarity of that regular season that a lot of us grew a little tired of that created the perfect storm to set it all off. First things first. Let's bring in Jesse Rubinoff and the Panthers and lightning was unreal. Mm. At times it was dangerous, uh, (laughs) rolling back and forth, maybe even over the line, but holy cow, was it entertaining. I just wouldn't want to play in it. But you know what? Screw it. Actually, I'm lying. I would love to play it in this series. Like, it was unbelievable. Electricity is the word that yeah. comes to mind yeah. for me. Uh, in case we forgot how much fun hockey can be when there's fans in the stands, that was a quick reminder. And for everybody that uh, maybe didn't know much about Jonathan Uberdo or Barkov playing in Florida, you don't get to watch a lot of their games maybe, now you know. Now you know how good and how underrated those stars are down in Florida. Yeah, and they're still game, down one game to yeah. nothing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, Kucherov, like, it's a joke. It's a joke. He doesn't play for a year. He comes back, and he has that kind of impact. Is, on does anyone game. care? I brought this up a couple of times. Like, you were here. I got yeah. poo-pooed. I brought up the salary cap and whether they're circumventing the salary cap yeah, was a problem. problem, and everyone kind of crapped all over it. You think it's a problem? Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm a salary cap expert because I'm not. But it just seems that when you can bring back a player like that at a time like this, when he hasn't played all year long, and there are salary cap benefits to it, it it seems a little dicey. It seems like a slippery slope, and maybe teams would want to exploit that moving forward. But the NHL knows that there are only a couple of teams that can Can do do it. it, And if you can, 
That's what I got. Good on you. All right. Uh, Department of Player Safety mm-hmm. ruled on Sam Bennett, on um, Blake Coleman. Uh, he got a game. Probably pretty fortunate, but when all said and done, uh, he was also made to pay by the lightning power play that scored the game-tying goal. Yeah. I mean, uh, there are some people who are questioning why did Sam Bennett get suspended, but Ryan McDonough didn't get suspended for Anthony yeah, you, Duclair hit. You could certainly you make could the argument. You could play him back-to-back, though Sam Bennett took a run. Exactly. I think that's the difference. It's probably the difference that the NHL player safety department saw. I mean, it's a charge. Uh, this one was McDonough, and he's not moving with the same velocity towards Duclair as Bennett was towards Cole. But here's what happens when you get one of those. Sam Bennett feels like he can take the run that he did. Totally. Right? Like, And that's the problem when you're ratcheting up uh, the intensity in a series. We'll see if they can sustain that over seven games because I don't know how they can. Yeah. I mean, th- these are the I'm dangerous hits. These are the dangerous hits that, you know, they happen in hockey, but we're trying to get rid of them. The, the yeah, three when, feet, five feet I'm away sorry, from the boards. When you get that, like when you let that much go in a game yeah. as they did, that's that's the fine balance that I don't know if anyone will take find. it. It was so much fun to watch as a viewer. All right. Still to come, Sarah Nurse on the unbelievable start to the Stanley Cup playoffs. We will look ahead to the north. The Jays keep rolling. Donovan Bennett in studio to talk Jays with us. And a special sit-down with Bo Bichette. Plus, the Raptors' difficult season is done. Blake Murphy stops by after Nick Nurse, who will pop by after the break. A 72-game grind. We'll talk to him about what's next for the Toronto Raptors on this Monday edition of Tim and Friends. Say Taco Bell. Oh my God. Oh my God. You must be hungry, bro. I need to get some sleep. I think I've been a goat owner for a month and a half, maybe. Named him after my two favorite athletes, so Tiger Woods and Tom Brady. This is Tim and Friends, coast to coast to coast on Sportsnet Radio and TV. I'm Tim McAuliffe. Still to come, Donovan Bennett and Sarah Nurse both popping by, but. The Raptors closed out their season with a six-man rotation and a loss to the Pacers yesterday. It almost seemed like a fitting end to a season that mercifully ended for a team that nearly saw it all this season, from a new home to a practice court in a hotel, Zooms, COVID, and all points in between. I've covered a lot of sports in my time at a lot of different levels, and I'm not sure I've seen anything like this one. Joining me to discuss is a guy who's seen a few things himself along the journey to the NBA, from England to basically starting his own G League team. He also happens to be the head coach of the Toronto Raptors. Nick Nurse (laughs) joining me now. Nick, welcome back to Tim and Friends. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. No problem. How you doing today, okay? I'm doing decent. I'm doing beautiful weather in Toronto. We might be catching up to Tampa finally, at least in the weather department. I've been doing these monologues every day on this new show without Sid. And I'm going to be honest, like I was intimidated by trying to encapsulate what you guys just went through 
Do you know how to summarize what in the hell happened over those 72 games? Um, tumultuous. One word, tumultuous. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's, it, you know, we just seemed like there was a, a hurdle after hurdle. Not even that. It was like a brick wall, and then we'd get through one, and we thought we were seeing light at the end of the tunnel, and something else would pop up. And it was um, – it wasn't easy and borderline frustration at some point. And then at some point you just kind of had to quit squeezing so hard and get to work and try to enjoy it, you know, and get our culture back and things like that. You know, um, I would, as it's over now, I look back and say, you know, pretty proud of the players for how they kind of played in all kinds of weird situations. It was, you know, almost every night we were out there fighting and, and in the game. You know, not too, not too many, four or five, four or five stinkers, maybe. But you have four or five of those anyway, usually, you know. Right. I'm, I'm a bit of a, well, maybe I was going to say coaching nerd, but I'm probably a bit of a understanding humans nerd. Like, at mm-hmm. the end of all that, do you give a speech to the guys? Is it an ongoing conversation? Is that even something that you need to kind of be able to take a step back and get some perspective on? Uh, I don't. I don't think it was any like real big speech. You know, um, there were several moments throughout the year. Um, and again, I, you know, I would say to you that there were some stretches where it wasn't very enjoyable. You probably sensed that if you watched watched the games, it wasn't that enjoyable for me and and some of the players. There was some frustration and things. But there was also a time when we kind of were all able to kind of let all that go, um, get back to practice a little more often. There was some connectivity. There was some enjoyment. We were having, we were having some sense of humor moments. You know, it was, it was, it was okay. I I really enjoyed the last six, eight weeks. And I know I'm, I almost can't believe I'm saying that considering there wasn't a lot of W's in there, but the, the way they played and each guy stepping up each night, even yesterday with six guys, there's always those moments where it felt like the game was going to get away from us. And then we pull it back into, you know, nine or eight or nine or 10 points. And, and the other team was getting worried, you know, and we just kept on doing what we best we could do. You know, do, do you know what you're most proud of in this season? Uh, no, pro- probably that though, just that we were able to Fight. still find some enjoyment. And again, some, you know, I really, it wasn't like I was, begging for practice or walkthroughs or attention at film or the the guys were into it, you know, and it was enjoyable. It was enjoyable to be around them. And it was, it was fun to coach and the staff was doing great and, and all that stuff. Um, That that's what I'm taking away from it right now. Listen, I I know that we all uh, should understand that we live in a bubble in sports and that real life situations of life and death and our healthcare heroes are doing more challenging work than, than I face yeah. every day. But within our sports world, like what was the most challenging thing that we couldn't see from Toronto? Well, um, I mean, listen, when the COVID stretch hit us, that was really hard, man. It was, it was a big concern. Uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, out and, and concerned really day to day, just how everybody was doing. And it took a lot longer than maybe we thought to just get feeling 
somewhere close to normal, right? Even though even though the days would pass or the weeks would pass, and I think it was harder on the players than anybody envisioned, just just physically to kind of be in midseason or the the shape or form you need to be in to play at this level. That that certainly was was it. I mean, listen, it was it was upsetting just kind of in general because protocols change the whole rhythm of practice, change the whole rhythm of the day. And then as soon as you would kind of get in that rhythm for a couple weeks, they'd change them all and <laughs> they're like readjust. I mean, it was just constantly like, hey, we're testing in the morning now. And then they'd like literally the next day say, whoops, nope, we're switching back to the evening. And it was going on like that for quite a while. And it was almost like, this just like, uh, this is like really strange, but you know, everybody was just doing the best with the information they were given. It wasn't like they were trying to mess with you or anything. It was just, it's just an ever evolving thing that, that made it difficult to get the team organized and together into the practice floor the way you probably would have liked to. Frankly, I was surprised that you guys had to play as much as you did through that time. Were you? Yes. Yeah, definitely. It seemed to me that a lot of other teams shut down for, a week or 10 days and, and uh, we kind of got about 24 hours and the next game was here and they said, you're playing. Hmm. Uh, one of the things that I've, I'm most impressed with over the last few years is that a lot of folks come in and say that they're going to change the culture. It might be the over most overused term in sports. <laughs> we're, cha- we're changing the culture. And yeah. with Dwayne Casey and with you and Masai Ujiri, um, you guys actually changed the culture. You built this culture that seemed to emphasize hard work will get us all further. How do you make sure whatever happened this year doesn't mess with that? Well, you know what? It almost reinforced it oh, yeah? a little bit this year. Yeah, just because we almost weren't able to do as much hard work as we actually wanted to and you could see the slippage in play and in sometimes in execution certainly in defensive coverages or being able to get new guys up to speed quicker it took it took a lot longer it just wasn't the the time to do it wasn't wasn't like we didn't have the courts here or whatever we just couldn't get on them for for a long time because of you know protocols and all that kind of stuff and the heavy schedule of games took out a lot of practice days. It just seemed like it was all games and travel, game, travel, game, travel. And you were so concerned about trying to reju- rejuvenate and recuperate that you couldn't like drag them to the court again and make them get to work for, for a long time, it seemed. And I think kind of, like I said, again, six, eight weeks ago, there was a little bit of easing up on some of the protocols. We made a couple, we made a trade or two that, we we had a bunch of new faces that we had to acclimate quickly, so everybody kind of got on board to help help these guys, and and it just kind of changed and it reinforced that this daily work and prep and focus and stuff was necessary, and I think it showed up on the court a little bit. Right in conversation with Nick Nurse here on Tim and Friends, a, a lot of folks wondered if. Kyle Lowry has played his final game as a Raptor, and many even projected the uh, the shrug of the shoulders of him walking off the court as some sort of, I don't know if I'm going to return. Like, we all understand the business of it all and respect what needs to take place, but I know that that's a pretty tight-knit group in there. Do you as a coach mm-hmm. have to acknowledge that moment with these guys? You know what? Not Not inside, we don't really. 
You know, we, we just, um, I, I think that a lot of the speculation, all that stuff is, is way more for, I don't know, you guys and the fans. I mean, we, we are just trying to kind of go to work and, and you know what I, you always hear me saying, I want what's best for these guys. Right. You know, I got to keep that like way high on the priority list. And most of the time we're, we are a tight group trying to figure out how we're moving forward short-term and long-term simultaneously. Right. So, um, I don't know. It didn't, I don't think we were, any of us were sitting around saying, yo man, this might be your last game. Right. We, we weren't, I don't, I don't, I, I didn't hear, hear or sense or feel any of that. Uh, what's Kyle's legacy in your mind? Uh, well, he's awesome. <laughs> right. I think, I think I always say he plays harder than anybody I've ever seen, you know, in person up close. It's, it's like, you know, you can, it was, it was, there's, there's, flashes in my head all the time of him hitting a three, diving for a ball, taking a charge, hitting a three, bowling three, three ball, laying it all in a span of about 45 seconds, you know, and the arena's going crazy and he just willing the whole building, you know, with this passion and those flurries that he can put on are, are, you know, they're unforgettable. They really are. And um, I guess that's the highest compliment I can give him that he plays harder than I've ever seen. Uh, obviously, been great to see him rack up all what he's racked up. He's six all-stars, a gold medal, a NBA title. Um, I don't think there's much else to say legacy-wise. He's, he's probably got to be the most influential Raptor there is. You get a he plays your his ass off from your coach, you've done well. Like, coach, <laughs> coach speak, that's the ultimate compliment. You're right. It <laughs> yeah. is. I try, to, I try to say that about him as much as I can because he, he, he certainly does. I got gotcha. you. Uh, he's not the only free agent uh, on this team. Masai Ujiri has yet to ink a deal. I'm not going to put you in that spot with the, hey, is he going to resign Nick Nurse? Um, but how important <laughs> is he to the culture that you guys have been able to establish here? Like, I, I constantly say a bunch of other franchises have tried to get that same thing. How important is Masai to the culture that's been set? Well, he's important to me. I know that much. He's, you know, we, we, we make a really good team, I think. And I really um, can have great, frank, honest conversations with him. There's, there's like zero uncomfortable moments. We're both thinking championship level when we talk and when we look at how, how we're moving. You know what I mean? And I think, I mean, that's, that's the point to me. Right? That's what I, that's the way I like to think about the teams. How we, how we going to win the title? That should be our, our objective. And he's got that mindset, super competitive, great leader. Um, you know, and he's, he's really, really good. Right. You look around this league, he's right at the top. Right. So I don't know. I, I, I love working for him and I think we make a good team. That's about all I have to say about that. <laughs> about all I have to say about that. All right, uh, Nick Nurse here on Tim and Friends. Um, I want to get a bunch of guys in here, so I, I know we've only got a couple of minutes left. Much has been made about Pascal's growth. Mm-hmm. From, from mm-hmm. the bubble to now, how would you assess what he's been able to do? Well, he certainly had his ups and downs, right? I think um, – He's had some real learning moments. He's had some things to deal with. Um, and then I think 
he's right now sitting in a really good place. You know, I mean, it's it's no secret that I had to coach him pretty hard uh, sometimes this year. And I, I tell Masai and I tell Pascal this, that you don't want me to do it any differently, right? That's, that's I'm, I want the best play out of you, and I'm sometimes going to have to coach you hard. And he's he's good, you know. We we you know when he does something, you know, like he left the floor like early in the season. Well, he's going to have to accept the consequences of that, and we're going to hold hold our our team to that standard. Um, and I'm going to continue to ask him to play hard because we we are as I will with the other guys. We got to play both ends, man. That's kind of been the hallmark of who we are. Um, and then he's. I think right now in a pretty good place and he's going to get better and better. And he's very young. He's got a lot um, of talent and he keeps getting better and we'll keep building with him. Is that the difference between good and great or really good and great? Well, I think that um, all of us are going through difficult times, right? There's, right. there's the landscape's, changed a lot and it's moving and changing and moving and you, you know it's like i i said to him a couple of times this is a weird really weird season i don't expect you to have it every night shake it off and right. get ready for the next one i think probably a little more than normal you got to be accepting of that and i try to be as compassionate about that as i can I know you're not even done with the Raptors commitment, but this show has kind of a special connection with Canada basketball dating back over a decade now. Um, yeah. Do you know, are, like, are you getting right into Canada basketball now? Do you know who's going to show up for Canada basketball if we're going to have a tournament in Victoria? Like, where are you on all this? Yeah, I mean, we're pretty um, knee-deep in it, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the letters and all that stuff have gone out. They're coming back in. I mean, they're literally like gone out a few day, couple of days ago. So guys are coming in and all this kind of stuff. We have had very, excuse me, very um, positive. You know, we've had a lot of Zoom calls, and you know, there's like 40 guys on the Zoom. You know, 38 of them show up, and the two guys that didn't were like overseas on a plane trip or something. So right. and we had another one in 32 of 33 show. You know, so the guys are the guy, and it's not as easy as you might think to coordinate across the world to get a zoom time for guys from LA to China, you know, on right. calls, right. It's, 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 so they have been pretty committed. Looks good. The tournament in Victoria is a go. Um, so we're not, we're about a month away from bringing those guys into training camp. I would imagine, you know, there's, there's always some injury problems, as you know, Jamal's, yeah. you know, he won't, he'll be out. And there's always a few free agent contract issues that are touch and go at times too. But I'm pretty confident we're going to get a, a good chunk of our, our guys that we want to be there and um, be ready to go. It's, a, it's super exciting. And I'm, I know I'm excited about it. I think a lot of Canada is excited about it. And all of a sudden really big Bucks fans. I think everyone in Canada wants the Milwaukee Bucks to make a long <laughs> extended run in the postseason. Keep Giannis busy. Hey, that's not easy to do either, but I feel you. <laughs> uh, Nick, listen, you've always been good to us and me on this show. Really appreciate the time, even though I know today is a busy one for you. No problem at all, man. All right, be well, always stay well. Coming on. Yep, thanks. All right, take care. You too. Uh, there is Nick Nurse. 
uh, here on Tim and Friends. Listen, after the break, we're going to chop up that convo with a guy who follows this team as closely as anyone. Uh, Blake Murphy of The Athletic and uh, Raptors Republic. Plus, a look ahead to a massive offseason full of intrigue for these Raptors. Stay with us. I wish I could have had a little bit more time and asked him if Andrew Wiggins was included in that group, but I guess we'll get there in due time. In due time. Tim and friends on Sportsnet. All right, let's uh, let's follow up that Nick Nurse conversation here with a, uh, a man who knows the Raptors as well as anyone on planet Earth. He is Blake Murphy of The Athletic and joins me now. Blake, what's going on? How are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you, Tim? I am. Uh, I am very well. Thank you for joining us. It was uh, it was interesting to hear Nick talk about the season because, like, as I said to him, I have no idea how to encapsulate what the hell happened in those 72 games. No, and, and how do you evaluate it? How do you evaluate Nick Nurse's job? How do you evaluate how these guys look down the stretch when, you know, Yuta Watanabe is never going to have to run an offensive unit again, but he had to here, and what do we take from that? So Nick's got his hands full for a, a little while here still sorting through the season, I think. Do you, do you know how you'll look back at this? Like, have you, did that, have you thought that column through yet? Um, yeah, I mean, you can't not think about it, especially with, you know, in Fred Van Vliet's terms yesterday, you know, it's felt like the, the last couple minutes of a blowout here for a couple of weeks. So yeah. um, I've definitely tried to contextualize it uh, as it goes. And I think the, the most interesting aspect is going to be, you know, just how just how valuable was this last month or two for those developing guys like Malachi Flynn and Jalen Harris. Yeah. And, um, you know, if one or two of those guys are a rotation piece the next time this team's really good, then, you know, hey, maybe that that part of it's worth it. It's funny when I'm talking to Nick, like I know when I ask him the Masai Ujiri or Kyle Lowry question, I'm probably not going to get anything. But if I don't ask it, people on Twitter will be going, why didn't you ask about Kyle Lowry or Masai Ujiri? Do, do you think Kyle Lowry's played his last game in a Raptors uniform? This is uh, I know that that people like to joke that Eric Perrine and I never disagree. Uh, and you know, that has a certain effect on our, on our work at The Athletic and our podcast. But uh, this is one we disagree on. I, I think Lowry's going to be back. Um, you know, I don't have the – I'm not reporting this. It's just my feel looking right. at the salary cap situation and the way things were handled down the stretch and what the free agent landscape looks like. Uh, I think Miami and maybe even Philadelphia are real threats in sign-and-trade. Um, but, you know, the way everything went and the way – where the Raptors could go and how important Lowry could be to that – um, you know, I'm, I, I cover the team objectively, but, but there's an element of me that doesn't want to see Kyle Lowry, uh, in another uniform as well. Right. Yeah. I, I'm just, uh, leafing through Grange's column. And as we're talking about free agents and I was going to ask you, um, who was a bigger free agent, Masai Ujiri or Kyle Lowry, but Grange is reporting that, uh, there's growing confidence that Masai will return have you had that same feeling? Because to be honest with you, all this silence scares the bleep out of me. Yeah, I get why it would scare you for sure. And obviously with these things, uh, until pen is to paper, we have to at least wonder. Um, you know, I, I don't want to assume too much of Masai's thinking or MLSE's thinking. I've kind of thought myself since the 
the pandemic hit and we found out the Raptors were going to be in Tampa for the year, that a short-term deal is going to make a lot of sense here where, um, you know, I'm sure Masai wouldn't feel great about leaving after his worst season as an executive. Uh, I'm sure MLSE would love to have Masai around to kind of usher things to the next era if there's going to be a next era. Um, you know, so I, I, I'm with range where I think a short-term thing uh, is probably going to make some sense, whether that's two years or, or three years or something with an option. Uh, I'm not sure, but I, I can't imagine both sides want this to be where they, uh, where they part. I'm not going to say that this is the Spurs in 97 uh, where they, they have a terrible year and they end up with Tim Duncan to go along with David Robinson and the, the rest is history. But um, I'll, I'll a, a short pick, a long off season after playing as much basketball as this team has played over the last few years, um, just the experience of what they had to go through this year, um, this could be really good for the franchise. Like, I'm not stretching here by saying a high draft pick, a little off time, and even the understanding of how culture is set might be really good for this team when we look back at this year. Yeah, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think it's going to be a permanent step backwards. Like, I don't think this is the franchise pivoting to, um, you know, going Restart. back to the bottom. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I, and, you know, what you're saying makes sense. You add, obviously, if they, they get a ton of lottery luck and it's Cade Cunningham coming in the door, that's a potential franchise talent you're dropping in. Uh, you know, some of the other guys in the, in the two to eight range, two to nine range, you know, those are guys you're going to have to be patient with a little bit. We know better than to rely on rookies to uh, drastically impact winning right out of the gate. Yeah. But you look at a high lottery pick, you look at, you know, maybe they bring Lowry and Gary Trent back. Maybe instead they use that little bit of cap space uh, to bring another piece in that fits the core. OG Ananobi, I think, is a real spot for optimism given the offensive growth he showed during the uh, during the season Agreed. without losing any of the defense. So um, I, I definitely think you can look at, at this group and, and how things could be different next year and what they might add to it and be pretty optimistic that, hey, maybe they're not back into the title chase, but they're back into the top half of the Eastern Conference as soon as next year. Uh, Freddie Van Vliet, better coach or broadcaster when all is said and done? I think broadcaster, it sounds like he's maybe a little hard on guys as a coach. So uh, he might need to, I, I can't imagine Van Bleet's going to soften up anytime soon. So I right. uh, might have to be broadcast. Hard on guys as a broadcaster goes over real well. Um, yeah. Before I let you go, there's two things that I want to hit on quickly. One, what does Chris Bosh going to the Hall of Fame mean to a Raptors fan? Yeah, I, I think it should mean a lot. I think, you know, first of all, it's only uh, the third person with a Raptors uniform with Akeem Olajuwon and Tracy McGrady to go into the hall. Uh, so anytime you get something like that and it's happened so rarely, it's great. Uh, but I think, you know, it's a good cause to reflect back on what Chris Bosh meant to the Raptors and what he meant to basketball is kind of this pre-modern center, um, you know, first as a guy who could stretch out beyond the elbows as a Raptor, but then defensively what he did in Miami to kind of, push the boundaries of the center position defensively um you know he meant a ton to the raptors and speaking personally you know as i was really getting into the raptors bosch was the guy and he made he made some pretty lean years pretty entertaining yeah as a guy who covered them at that time too he he <laughs> helped immensely before we let you go i know that you and eric kind of put together a little canada basketball thing i was talking to nick at the end of the conversation about canada basketball like, are, are we spo I've spent way too long trying to be optimistic about Canada basketball only to get slapped in the face or kicked somewhere else. Uh, where are we on this edition of Canada basketball, uh, at least on the men's side of things? 
Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you specified men's because the women's side's in great shape and, yeah. and they could compete for a medal in Tokyo. Uh, the men's side, you know, we're at the time in the process where you're keeping an eye on guys' health. Shea Gilgis-Alexander just said in his season-ending presser that, um, you know, he can't commit to the team until he sees where the status of his foot is. Um, you know, you got guys like Ken Burch and Kelly Olynyk who are free agents even though they want to commit. Um, so we're at that part of, of the process here where, yeah, you can draw out your fantasy roster, but – contracts are real and player development schemes from the the guys organizations are real uh i think you look at the pool of guys that that they could draw from though and that pool runs 25 30 35 deep when you look at who's you know playing well overseas who has experience in the program so um i think there's still room for optimism the one wrinkle to that is going to be uh, as much as it might hurt Canadian basketball fans who are also Raptors fans, uh, you're pushing for Giannis to make a, a good run here uh, because Greece is, you know, potentially a really tough opponent in Victoria for the qualifiers. Yeah, Raptor fans, you are now Buck fans if you want Canada to go to the Olympics. Uh, Blake, I always like talking Raptors basketball with you. Appreciate you taking the time and doing this. Thanks, man. I'll be on anytime. Uh, there is Blake Murphy from The Athletic. Uh, one of the best in the business. Time for a quick break. We will set the stage, though, for the Stanley Cup playoffs after said break. Carey Price, Brendan Gallagher are on the ice with Laval getting ready for the Leafs. Plus, Josh Anderson says he wants the Leafs. Next. Tim McCallum and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Back here for hour number two on this Monday edition of Tim and Friends. Still to come, Donovan Bennett in studio, or so we think. He hasn't shown up yet. We'll talk some Jays. And he sits down with Bo Bichette to talk about MLB The Show, one of my favorite video games on planet Earth. God's honest truth. Plus, Sarah Nurse in about 30 minutes as we discuss the amazing start to the Stanley Cup playoffs and the three games on the ice tonight. The Capitals and Bruins went to overtime to kick things up. It was a theme, but they started it all Saturday night, and it set the tone as all four games this weekend were one-goal games, three of them going to OT. Craig Anderson came on in relief for the Caps in game one after Vitek Vanacek was hurt, although Peter Laviolette wouldn't confirm it. All signs seemed to point to Anderson starting for the Caps tonight. Here's Bruce Cassidy on what he wants to see from his team tonight. Hopefully we start on our toes a little more. And that doesn't mean just, you know, you know, driving guys through the end boards. It just means winning races, uh, winning those 50-50 pucks that allows you to get going, uh, getting inside to, to get the rebound chance that's sitting there. Those are some of the things I talk about on the toes and urgency. And, it, you know, it, it, it has to translate on us having the puck more uh, and putting more pressure on them. And again, I, I thought we had pockets of that in our game, but we need more of it for 60 minutes. Well, that'll be an interesting way to see it break down tonight. As mentioned, three games in the Stanley Cup playoffs tonight. Bruins caps available to all viewers. And you can find it on Sportsnet Ontario, West and Pacific. Canes and Preds available to all viewers. That's on Sportsnet East. Now, all viewers, because we're not talking blackouts, you know what I'm saying? And later, it's the Blues and Avs Game 1. See that on Sportsnet 1. And a reminder, all games throughout the playoffs are available on Sportsnet now. Ask your boy Rowan SN Potts. Potts. Carey Price and Brendan Gallagher will play for the Laval Rocket 
in their AHL season finale tonight, fittingly against Toronto. It's just the Marlies this time around. Both players took part with their Laval teammates in the morning skate today wearing Rocket jerseys. Price scheduled to play half the game. He hasn't played since April 19th after suffering a concussion. While Gallagher has been out for six weeks with a fractured thumb, both expected to be in the lineup against the Leafs in game number one. Speaking of, yes, the anticipation continues to build. Leafs, Habs, first time since, we all know it, it's 1979. Game one, Toronto Thursday. As if fans weren't fired up enough, Josh Anderson, a little fuel on the fire, perhaps? I don't think there's anyone really who would rather play more. So, um, and then take it one day at a time, one game at a time, and um, let the best team win. I love it. I absolutely love it. So um, I'm just looking forward to uh, starting game one. It's going to be a war out there. He's the new quote, Montreal, without a doubt. Uh, Jets Oilers game one Wednesday, 9 Eastern. We'll have a special edition of Tim and Friends beginning at 7.30 Eastern, 5.30 Mountain on Sportsnet West. Tee it up before heading it over to or handing it over to Hockey Central. Got a good since you understood. Oilers, of course, dominated the Jets during the season series, winning seven of nine games, while Connor McDavid had just 22 points in those nine games. McDavid, a potential future GOAT. How about this? Mark Shifley actually has two GOATs. What? Yes, and he brought his pair of new pet GOATs to the rink on the weekend. Shifley spoke about said GOATs earlier today. GOATs. I think I've been a goat owner for a month and a half, maybe. Um, uh, you know, got two baby goats, um, named them after my two favorite athletes, so Tiger Woods and Tom Brady. So, uh, you know, it's just fun. They're 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 best friends with Oliver. So, um, you know, it's just uh, <laughs> they're fun little guys. They're they're energetic. They're pretty. They're pretty. They're pretty fun to hang out with. So, brought them to the rink the other day, and they were buzzing around on the ice. So it was pretty cool to um, to see that. I don't think the trainers were too happy because they kind of pooped everywhere but um no I, i've uh yeah i've been a goat owner for i think a month and a half now there's mark shifley is it is it tiger and tom or does he actually call them by the full names tiger woods and tom brady we'll have to get shifley on the show to discuss donovan bennett joins me in studio you may have heard him opening and closing the door uh, <laughs> as, as he stormed into the studio but you are on time you are good to go i've i've known you for a long time how, how long have I known, like, are we at 10, 15 years, probably? Carried one. Closer to 20? 14 years, I believe. 14 years? Yeah. I mean, it, do like you, your last, do, your do last you couple of years at Western. Calling games and having me on a sheet, a play sheet, you call but that knowing me? Did we not talk when you were on the field? I know you talked to, like, Sid and Adnan. When they were doing their job, yeah, yeah. interviewing me yeah. after I went house and scored a touchdown. But you were saying. <laughs> okay, so I, I don't know if this is an insult or not. Oh, boy. Here we go. You don't strike me as an animal person. I know your mom had. Two dogs. Two dogs? Yeah. yeah. Sanchez and Aaliyah, named nice. after great musical artists. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, 
Yes, they have. So are you, you just said your mom had two dogs. You didn't correct. say you were That's a pet person. Correct, yeah. I mean, I felt bad when they died. <laughs> but Is that I how didn't. you quantify? I did. Your... I mean, it was it's a sad. That just means you have a heart. That doesn't mean you like Half hour of my them. life. But it never compelled me to. Half hour of yeah. life, yeah. It never compelled me to want to get one. It just means you have empathy for your mom. That, that doesn't mean anything. Okay, so. If you, the reason I ask is, do you like the names Tom Brady and Tiger Woods for a pair of goats? Because they are goats. They are goats, yes. Um, I do like the names. I, I, I like when people play with the names, right? They don't just call their dog Rover or something yeah. like that, right? Like <laughs> Rocky. It, thank you. Yeah. yeah, like you. Can I say? Yeah, you're allowed to talk about my dog's names. Right? right? So, <laughs> so Fife Dog was a great name because yeah. you it, you either got it or you really really got it right uh bethany frankel who, you don't like snoop what's wrong with snoop no i like snoop okay. i like snoop as should well. i have gone nate nate was weird why because it's like just a yeah nate someone in Come IT, here, nate. his name is nate <laughs> yeah that's yeah, no, fair enough um bethany frankel who you know friend of the show yeah uh her dog's names are biggie and smalls oh that's nice so yeah. I, I, right i like yeah. that um, I've been seeing dads with sons that say, a friend of mine, Aaron Mitchell, who played uh, uh, university basketball, college basketball, Tulane Garrett, shut up. I saw a picture of him and his son on Instagram, and he had the T-shirt that said Biggie, and he had balls oh, with right. I like that. Yeah, I like that was that. very I like cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I do like the names Tom and... Um, Tom and Tiger? And Tiger. I, I feel like Jordan is a bit upset that he got I had left a Jordan. out of the conversation. My question was, how did he... Well, a couple. One, you think you've owned them for six weeks? Six weeks? Not that long. Like, it, it, he said a month you and a half. You should know? Yeah, I think it's not like six years. Like, was it 2016? Ah. Six weeks is not that long. Yeah. Two, how did you get them to the arena? Like, how do you travel with a goat? Where does he keep do you put, them? Do you put the seatbelt over the goat? Is that dangerous or more safe? You, you, you allowed them to be on the ice. Hooves on ice? Like, is that good for the goat? I don't want to get him in trouble with any mm-hmm. groups. Sounds like a show, Hooves on Ice. It does sound like a show. <laughs> Maybe the goats need their own reality show. I just had more questions. Yeah. Uh, goat owner was also a strange term, too. Like, As if the goat he, doesn't have agency. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, what, what are we doing? Right? Get, get out of it. And you know he... Well, wait, wait, the, wait, wait. Shifley strikes goats me Goats are the, domesticated animals. They're just not... We're not no. putting... There are more. There are more goats. Like people do goat yoga. Like I'm not one of them, but people Whoa. do goat yoga. What? Look, I, I, I. You know, what? no one's ever heard of goat yoga. I, I walked by. Sebi. Sebi's heard of goat <laughs> yoga. I walked. There's baby yoga too. That doesn't mean it's really a thing. <laughs> I, 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 I walked by. It's supposed to be a great bonding moment. I baby walked, yoga. Please. I walked by. <laughs> please. I walked by a dog park yesterday. I didn't see any goat owners with goats on oh, leash. Hold on. He lives in Winnipeg. Okay, it's not downtown Toronto. He strikes me, and I don't know this, and, and maybe I'm projecting here. He strikes me as a truck owner, right? So you bring him in the truck. You can have a cage in the truck. Whoa, whoa wait. So the f- flatbed? The goats just sliding no, around? No, I, I didn't say that. At the back of the F-150? I, I, didn't, I didn't say that. I said you could have a cage in a truck. Okay. I'm saying you could have it in the back cab. Okay, so, the, so, the, so the cage you is sliding s- around at the back no. of the F-150. This is better? No, I'm saying inside the actual cab. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. right. Or I know that they have cages that strap down, too, so don't even play with that. So I'm, and I'm not – but there's a lot – in Winnipeg, there's a lot more area to roam as opposed to where you used to live in downtown Toronto. True. Just 
farm animal lives matter. Okay. I'm just, I, I, I just didn't know people were owning goats. I didn't know people were owning But he could live on a ranch. Until I watched the Netflix documentary, which mm. seems like a thousand years ago, at the beginning of the I pandemic. Think, I think goats and tigers are two different things here. They are. I just, people surprise me. Um, Can I just say that I, I don't know any people who own a goat? That, that That's not something that anyone in my circle is off to do? Mm-hmm. Like a dog is, is as far as we're going. With owning animals. Yeah, but I don't think... Well, Being a I mean, caretaker. I don't even want to say owning. Being I mean, a caretaker of an animal. You and I were both born and raised in Toronto. Correct. And we've done little to leave the area. However, went to university and things of the, of the ilk. However, if you live on like a ranch or you live outside of a city, I don't think goat is a crazy pet. True. But if you live on a ranch, I don't think you're... Or even one to put the property. goat in the back of the car and bring it to the arena. The goat's got goat stuff. Like, to we don't do even on know what an acre means, but there's a lot of places in Canada where an acre is easy. True. Yeah. I mean, you don't got two land transfers. Yeah, you get yourself an acre. Uh, all right. So Jesse Rubinoff just raised a finger as if he wanted to oh. get, and you don't have to do that. You just well, speak up. Investigative yeah, journalism. No, well, I just Trace uh, wrote in and said Mark Shifley has a farm, Farm Fifty Five on Instagram. So oh, I'm going to wow. do some. So the farm digging. has its own IG. Mm-hmm. Which would explain a lot because that, you're not going to keep a goat in a 700 foot square <laughs> square foot no, that, no. That's as, obviously not what Shifley has. That's anyway. what I spent the last three minutes yeah, attempting yeah, to explain. Yeah. There's probably more to this story than you and I yeah. growing up in Toronto and wondering where the hell he's going to keep that thing. I learn something new every day. <laughs> All right, what are you working on these days? Ooh, what am I not working on these days? Like, do you want to talk about the piece that's about to air, or just in general? Uh, well. I, I, how about a quick synopsis of what we're about to see? Because we're going to do it after the break. Ooh, a little tease, if yeah, you will. If you will. Well, access to baseball players in the pandemic when you're in a different country is tough. Yeah, but tough, yeah. the homie Boba Shed was willing to sit down a little bit to talk about his love. Something that gets him through the pandemic, gaming, playing video games. MLB The Show is his game of choice. He played it with, with his dad as a kid. Now... He's a grown-ass man. So he's in the game hoping kids play with him. So we talked about the game, and maybe if you learn about pitches and such by mm-hmm. playing the game. Uh, uh, God's honest truth, my son loves baseball. Mm-hmm. He and I oftentimes will go toe-to-toe and MLB the show. Really? Yeah. And, and what's he, the record? He gets mad when I beat him. Is that <laughs> an occurrence that happens a lot? I, uh, it, it's, it's about half the time, and frankly, I thoroughly enjoy it. Time for a break. When we come <laughs> back, another series win for the Jays, and then an, I got a feeling I got a challenge when I get home tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Off day before welcoming the first place Red Sox. Big week for the Jays. We'll discuss the surge and the feature we talked about. Bo Bichette sits down with Donovan Bennett next. I'm Tim and Friends. Showed how little I know about goats is what just happened. Welcome back to Tim and Friends with Donovan Bennett. Jays kept it rolling over the weekend, taking two of three from the Phillies, including homers in each game from the red hot again, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And after losing a lead late on Friday, Jays bounced back with a shutout win Saturday and then jumped on former teammate Chase Anderson. You can say they chased him. (laughs) 
It was an 8 nothing lead. Got a bit dicey late, but Jeremy Beasley, of course, struck out Bryce Harper representing the go-ahead run to end it. Jays enjoy a day off, sitting at 22-17, second in the division, just a half game back of the Red Sox, who they host for three games starting tomorrow in Dunedin. Again, Donovan Bennett in studio. Feels like a bit of a bandwagon rolling here for the Jays, and we've been saying that for a couple weeks now. I try my best to be an optimist because it costs the same, so sure. might as well. I am maybe becoming bullish on this Jays team. Yeah. Think of all the injuries. Think about the pitchers you got coming back. Think about the fact that your most well-rounded offensive player really hasn't been a part of this lineup that's now really starting to lengthen. You're already in the middle of what is a good division, and you haven't even played some of the cupcakes yet on your schedule. Your schedule has been pretty tough. And so you are, let's say, as you look at the standings, 70, 75 wins away from messing around with a wild card, even top that up a little bit, winning the division. I really, really like the way this team is played, considering they've had so many excuses. Now, the defense and some of the pitching will come back to earth a little bit, but the left side of the infield is starting to play a bit better. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned it in the break, so I will not be that person who steals someone else's point, but I'll just throw an alley-oop to you. Marcus Simeon. Yeah. A a, A lot of people early on were like, okay, he's hit a couple home runs, but top of the lineup, he's not doing it. And... Lo and behold, over the last little while, he has been quietly. And listen, I get when you lose a little bit of the shine because Vladdy's smashing home runs and Teoscar had a bit of a game of Bobisha. But every game, Semyon has been really good for the last little while. And I think that that left side of the infield sometimes can be helped by the other side of the infield. And that combination now, we're hearing those little stories, you know, they, they play video games together, they hang out <laughs> together, they were coupled together in some of the preseason uh, workouts to make sure that they established that chemistry. And you're seeing it with Bichette and Semyon in that middle of the infield where there was angst. And I mean angst to start the season. Everyone's kind of settled down. No question. And you talked about helping the, the left side how about helping the first baseman who's playing better defense this year, no question, in, in Vladdy. And remember, Marcus is playing second base, right? So yeah. that's an adjustment for him that has been certainly fine. And I talked to Bo about their relationship on and off the field and basically just watching him work, how much you can learn from him. So when he was signed, I was like, oh, that's a nice little stopgap. Maybe he bounces back. You get some value. You've got some other middle infielders coming, so it's just it's something for the short term. Have I got an alert on my Sportsnet app mm-hmm. that told me they extended him? Now, m- mind you, it's a super small sample, but I would have no problems no. because he has been much, much no. better than advertised. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, there are four players in Major League Baseball, nine home runs, seven stolen bases. Two of them, Bobachet, Marcus Semien. Uh One more before we get to your Bo- Bobachet feature, and that is just Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Mm-hmm. Like... He is, right now, whatever you want to call this sample size at the start of the year, one of the best players in baseball. Facts. And if Otani was not one of the best fielders and pitchers in baseball, we would be having, and it's a long season, so who knows, but we would be starting to have a legitimate MVP conversation around Vladdy. And given some of the conversations we had around him this spring, last season and the skepticism we had around the off-season workouts yeah. this off-season, that is a plus. Because 
I love Bo. I love Cavan. Some of the guys, both pitching or in the field, coming are really exciting. The ceiling of this club mm-hmm. is built around those broad shoulders. Uh, right now, uh, there's the war leaders in Major League Baseball, and he is top four. If you go to Vegas and you see who the favorites are to win the MVP, it's Otani, it's Trout, number three, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, Bichette has been really good, too. And I know that there was a lot of talk about his defense early on, but uh, there was also a lot of talk between you and he, which is what we got for the folks. Yeah, and there was a lot of talk from me before the break setting this piece up. Mm -hmm. So if you missed that, shame on you. Tune in earlier. I'm not going to waste our time doing it again. I will say this. If you stay up late at night thinking about what is Bo Bichette's strategy when gaming, uh, what has he learned from some of his teammates, and what are the expectations for this club and himself? Well, you're about to learn all those things. Goodbye, home run. Second home run of the game right there. He is locked in at the plate. Well, first off, congratulations. You're a part of the game, MLB The Show. It's a, a big deal early in your career. I, I know the, the scouting report for you as a player. What's the scouting report for you as a gamer? Yeah, I don't like to lose. Uh, that's pretty much it. You know, I'm all right at the game. I, um, I think I'm good for, for how much I play. Say you don't like to lose 21 and 8 was the record in the players league what was that like uh competing against some of your fellow big leaguers yeah it was really fun um you know i think i didn't realize that i was decent at the game before i did that and having that adrenaline and competition um in a time where we were missing it and in a weird in a weird time of the world um, you know, is definitely needed for, I think, all of us. Do you pick up anything about, oh, man, there's this pitcher that I haven't seen live, but I've seen him in the game. Are there actual tangible things that you can pick up that translate into the sport? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think uh, the game's pretty realistic when, when you put the game on a higher level. Um, the balls move pretty realistic. Uh, you have to get a good pitch to hit. I definitely think you can learn a lot from the game. Let's go, dude. Let's go. So when you're playing, who are you playing with and what's the lineup? I do the same thing as, uh, as the real life stuff. So, uh, I'm either hitting first, second, or third and you know, pretty much everybody else slots in where they normally do, so I don't switch it up too much. Breaking ball high in the air. Get out of here! God! A walk-off home run for Bo Bichette! Have a day, Bo! What has this real season been like for you guys? This place away from, you know, the home fans in Toronto and trying to still compete at a high level? Yeah, I mean, it's our second year doing it, so uh, I guess fortunately, unfortunately, we we have experience with it, um, so we, we're, I think we're handling it much better um, this year than we did last year, and so hopefully if we get to come back to Toronto, that would be um, very exciting for all of us. Um, I'm sure the fans, too, we can't wait for that, but uh, 
as of now, we're just focused on, you know, dealing with what we're dealt with and, and playing as hard as we can every day. Who's the one guy that you've been around, see how they work every day, that you really learn something and realize, like, okay, that guy's a bit different? For me, I've spent so much time around Marcus Simeon. Bouchette has to wait on the big second hop. Second for one, back for first. Double play. Oh, what a nice double play. Good turn to second by Simeon. Really just learning from, from watching him, just the, the focus, um, the intensity and in his work pushed me to get better. You know, and I think uh, we have a good duo there and, and we bounce off each other well. So, you know, I've been impressed with how he goes about the game and, and uh, his attitude every single day is great. Blue Jays have an all-star type of player and a leader on this team in Bo Bichette. What success for you this season? We know you're having mad success as a gamer, but for this team, for you to walk away from this season feeling successful, what, what does that look like? You know, obviously we have high goals for ourselves as a team. We want to win. We want to win everything. But, uh, you know, I think uh, we'll be disappointed if we don't. But at the same time, you know, as long as we get better and we play hard every single day, I think, you know, that's something that we can build on and, and uh, be better next year. You grew up playing this game, right? Seeing your dad in games like this. Now that kids are running uh, and trying to play the game with you, what does that mean to you? Um, it's awesome. Uh, like you said, I remember being a kid, turning on the PlayStation and, and going to find, you know, the team that I wanted to play with, the players that I love playing with. So if there's any kids out there looking to play with me, excited to play with me, that's definitely a cool feeling and something I don't take for granted. Yeah, well, hopefully kids are playing with you for a while and watching you in October this year. Thank you for this, man. All right, man. Thank you for having me. Someone, uh, someone wrote in about my games with my son and said, like, if you beat me, I would throw at you on MLB The Show. And don't kid yourself. My 10-year-old does that all the time. Like, if I hit... <laughs> He's brushing you back? No. If I, if I hit a home run, the next three pitches are in one of my dude's backs. And I just tell him, you keep putting my guys on base. That just means a three-run home run. Well, that is the point. Your video game characters can't feel that. Like they, they're not yeah. hurting. Yeah. The next thing they Tell come up, they don't have a stinger in their left arm because of it. That's very funny. But I, I love that your son is enforcing the unwritten oh, rules of baseball. Yeah, he does the not, code. He does not like when I take him deep. Uh, what are the games that you look forward to playing with your son? And if you add more to the equation. Ooh, wow. I'm not adding, I'm not being like a that's, mom and adding more to the equation. That's that's a tough one because I, I was the, the kid who's like, oh, when you're an adult, you stop playing video games, so I'm just going to get ahead of the curve and be mature and stop playing. And then I was of the, the generation where you kept playing video games as an adult. So so I don't necessarily know. So you don't game at all anymore? No. I didn't. There's no console in my home. I did for a little bit. Like FIFA, I always just kind of wanted to have FIFA around, yeah. but I would never play it. And then when my son, who was my firstborn, came along, he really liked playing sports games, on, and I was like, I'm in. And then I had to test all of them, like, so I had to try Fortnite before I let him play Fortnite, you right. know what I mean? And now I might, I might be hooked on Fortnite a little bit, but whatever. I would say, I mean, things that transfer, right? So some, some racing, whether it's Mario Kart or now F1, because everyone... Overnight, there's an F1 fan, evidently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesse's one of, yeah, yeah. one of them. That's me, yeah. Uh, maybe, Monaco this weekend. Oh, of course. Just right, of course. <laughs> Just um, Maybe something like that. It'll be tough. But the, the thing I do have in common with Bo, even though I'm not a gamer, is so when he wasn't playing with his dad, the guy he would love to play with and really team, 
was Griffey. And I, I, I think no matter the generation, we can all remember being like, okay, we got to play with Griffey. Sweet yeah. swing, although Bo himself has a pretty sweet swing. That transfers in the game. I was sad I didn't see his earrings in the game, but maybe next year. Uh, Greg writes in and says, had a buddy who had a goat trained like a dog. Excuse it me? loved cat rides. P.S. We don't all live in Toronto. LOL. Hashtag pet goats. Haley writes in and says, local farm posted this photo today. This is how they moved their kids. And <laughs> truck with boxes and goats in the boxes in the back of the truck. Not flatbed, just a cab. Although if I say cab, does that denote flatbed? I thought it was the inside. The cab was the inside of the truck. Drive slow, homie. Like, <laughs> you get into a little fender bender. You, know, like, you don't think they're yeah, cute at all? You don't think they were cute, those goats? The goats? Yeah. Like, Shifley's goats or those goats in the back, like, nothing for cute? them, eh? Yeah, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> cute? That's not... That's not a that's not a, a term I would have used. But I mean, again, maybe it's the West Indian blood where animals, no matter what they are, they are outside of the house. Like they don't really come in the house. I'm not a, I'm not a good barometer because yeah. I see you know dogs licking people's faces and I'm like, oh, no, thank you. I see people with dogs sleeping in their bed. I'm like, that's your bed, not the dog's bed. So I'm not really no, you're not a good barometer on any tell. of this. I could tell that you weren't that dude from, from back in the day, and it was confirmed when you said you grieved your mom's <laughs> dogs for about 30 minutes. About half, yeah, about a sitcom. <laughs> about a sitcom, and then yeah. we Good we married with children? I, I, do, I, I love the fact that dogs are loyal. I just don't need one. I just right. don't need one. That's it. I, I, the return on investment on that expense for me. Yeah, wait, wait till the kids grow up a little bit, Sonny. Isn't, Wait till the kids grow up. Is Donovan. that what goldfish are for? Keep the cost low. That's the that's the worst. I'm a dog person, so I I, I don't you know. The goldfish is the worst, homie, because then you just flush <laughs> it down the toilet, and that's a bad lesson to teach any kid. <laughs> People replace them all the time. They you walk into a room and the thing's upside down. Don't make that mistake. Uh, thank you for coming by, though. Thank, thank you for bringing Donovan. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, getting ready for the, the, the dog shit. lover hate that I'm about to get on, online. I, I just want to... You have a dog. Yeah. yeah for I'm, the kids. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, no, I'm a dog person. Oh, so Seriously. it's not for I've the kids. I've always been, yeah. Okay. The kids love the dog, too. But, man, there's a reason why they call it man's best friend. Well, I was going to say, because if you got the dog for the kids, aren't you the one really paying attention to the dog? Yeah. That's... Yeah. That's yeah. why I asked Canada. They Hope said they were going to pick up poop. Coming up. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Anytime. Coming up. Night three of the Stanley Cup playoffs. On its way, Sarah Nurse will join us to set it up. Plus, look back, look ahead, all these things. Secret Dream Guy Tour. Sarah Nurse, rising star in the business. Next, right here on Tim and Friends. Pugs are cute. No, they're not. Uh, no? No. no. Opening night of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It doesn't get any better than this. Lockout. Ovechkin just demolished David Krejci. Welcome to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Rickshot scores. Jake DeBrusque. Vanacek is extremely slow getting up. He might have pulled his groin for Craig Anderson. This is a big opportunity. Pasternak throws it towards the net. Loose. Scores. Richie got his stick on it in front. We're going to overtime. Wilson left it. Oh, she fires, score!
Rutgers. T.J. Oshie with a shot that gets through, and the Capitals win game one in overtime. It was a dramatic end of game one with you, the Caps and the Bruins on Saturday. The Bruins will try and even the series tonight before they head back to Boston. Coverage starts with Hockey Central on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1, 7 Eastern, with a game available to all viewers on Sportsnet Ontario, West or Pacific. The heavily favored Canes host the Predators in game one of their series tonight. It's an 8 p.m. Eastern start. And again, available to all viewers on Sportsnet East tonight. And the late one, the President's Trophy winning Colorado Avalanche hosting the 2019 Cup champs St. Louis in game one. This will be seen in its entirety on Sportsnet 1 and joined in progress after the Bruins caps on Sportsnet. The NHL playoffs began with a fury and so did my next guest's career. One day I was asking her if broadcasting was in her future. Next day she's getting more run than me on the NHL on Sportsnet. And oh, by the way, she's still one of the best players on planet Earth. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back Sarah Nurse. What's going on, Sarah? How are you? Your intros never disappoint. <laughs> holy. I try my best. I try my best. Um, holy shnikes, what a start. Not really a question, just what the bleep's going on in the NHL right now. What a start in those first four games. Honestly, wild. Yeah. Like the NHL playoffs are here. This is what we've been waiting for. Like this is the playoff hockey that we want to watch. And I mean, I got to see that Florida Tampa game yesterday and that was insanity. It was like a track meet. Like the skill was exceptional. Uh, I was a little biased. Huberto is one of my favorites. So getting to see him uh, set up that typical was pretty cool. Yeah, that was a really nice goal. And it ends up on the, on the wrong end of the equation. But man, like I was saying, I've said so many times in my career that familiarity breeds contempt, that it becomes lost. Like I lose the meaning on it. And I think back to you guys and the U.S. women's national team and how often you play each other. Uh, John Cooper said before the, the playoffs started that there's no more secrets. Like it's all you've played these teams eight, nine, ten times. Like, is that what we're getting here? Is just no secrets. You know every guy that you don't like on the other team. Like, is is that what we're seeing? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I know with us in in the Canadian and US women's national team, like leading up to the Olympic Games, we play each other seven, eight times a year. And so these guys being in these regional divisions it's been the same thing. And so you just develop this crazy hatred for each other. You know exactly what other teams are going to do. There aren't any surprises. And by the time playoff time comes around, it's just pure competitive drive. And it's just passion. Like we saw that with these games uh, that started off the weekend. And I can't wait to see the North Division kick off. How important is it when you just saw Sam Bennett, who ended up getting the game for his hit from behind, and he may have cost the Panthers um, that game one with his penalty leads to a power play goal, ties the game, and the Lightning end up getting the winner. How important in spots like this where you know emotion is so high to keep your head? It's so important. And I know that there are guys on each team, there are players who, you know, are reminders that you need to keep your head in check. You know, this is something bigger than this hit, this game. You know, this is the entire team. All right, take everything else out of the equation because we know we're going to invite a bunch of different people into this conversation. Everything else out. It was just nice to see fans enjoying a game like they did in Sunrise. Definitely. I think it was a little surreal. I remember turning on that Florida game and just being a little confused. I was like, is this the, is this the right year I'm watching? Because I haven't seen fans in the stands in so long. And it looked 
pretty electric in there. I think there was about 9,000 people. So it's not even like it was a full house, but it just seemed so electric. And I'm so excited for when we can all get back into hockey arenas because I definitely can't wait. You've played in front of crowds like that in gold medal games. What, what, what does that feel like? Does it actually energize you to have that much juice in the building? It does. And I think it, it's very situational because there does come a time where no matter how many people are in the stands, mm-hmm. you are so focused and zoned in on that game. But, you know, when you need momentum, when you're looking for a swing, the crowd can definitely bring it to you. We played in Edmonton leading up to the Olympics. And I just remember how packed that place was and how loud it was. And we ended up winning in overtime. And I have to give like a huge credit to the fans in the building because they really, really helped us get that momentum. Sarah Nurse joining us here on Tim and Friends. All right, let's move to the North. You mentioned Edmonton. Uh, They begin on Wednesday. The North will finally kick off. Uh, What do you expect to see from the Oilers and the Jets? I think that's going to be a good series, and I'm really intrigued to see, I guess, how the Jets are going to respond after a little bit of a lull at the at the end of their season. So I'm interested to see how they're going to respond because the Jets are a good team when they're firing. They obviously have Connor Hellebuck, who has been fantastic um, throughout his career um, and at the start of the season. like he was, he was pretty elite, so they have a lot of firepower up front. And as obviously when you look to Edmonton, McDavid, Dreisaitl, um, my cousin Tyson Berry, like they also have all of those guys firing on all cylinders and they had a great, um, season to end off and they've, they've just been playing really well. And so when I look at this series, I'm super pumped because I think it's going to be a pretty even match. When you see, uh, I love that you can just throw in my cousin, <laughs> my cousin, um, my cousin. <laughs> let me, let me ask you this. We just looked at the numbers and it was seven and two in the regular season. The Oilers won the season series, nine games, seven games to two. Does that mean something? Does that mean anything when you get into the postseason? Could that describe a number, say, that the Oilers have? Or when you get into the postseason, can you just flush all that? I think it's a good mix of both because when you look into the postseason, you don't want to be focused on the past. You know, you can't be looking back because then you forget to look forward. And if you're the Edmonton Oilers, you don't want to come up and say, yeah, we beat these guys seven times. It's going to be a cakewalk. You can't do that. And then on the Jets side, you also can't look at your season series. We're like, man, we only took two from these guys because you have to look forward and you have to have that confidence in yourself and your play. And again, once playoffs start, like it's a clean slate. Teams are starting over and it is truly a new season, but there's a lot on the line. All right. I've never covered a Leafs-Hab series. Uh, I don't think you've ever seen a Leafs-Hab series in the postseason first time, as we've said, since 1979. Uh, What do you expect and how much of a shame for both of these series is it that we don't have fans in the stands? Oh, that's an absolute understatement, Tim. Yeah. Like, it is a like beyond a shame that there aren't fans in the building because I think of the Bell Center, I think of Scotiabank Arena just absolutely rocking because not only are there teams in the playoffs, but they're playing each other. It's, it's probably the biggest rivalry in the National Hockey League, and I think this series, again, is going to be so awesome. Uh, I actually just saw like the Canadians' lines at practice, and I was like, man, there's a lot of firepower on that team, and so this isn't going to be an easy series for either team. Uh, I think that it should be pretty physical. I'm hoping to see a lot of goals, um, but obviously back there with Carey Price, you know, he's going to look to shut the door. And then Jack Campbell on Toronto's side, he's had a stellar season, like a storybook season. And so it's going to be very interesting to see these two teams go at it. All right. So we're hearing that Carey Price and Brendan Gallagher are going to play tonight for the Laval Rocket against the Toronto Marlies this time around. How hard would it be to go from zero to one AHL game 
to the postseason like Carey Price and Gallagher are going to attempt to do here? Yeah, well, I think these guys are high-performance athletes. And so when you're going throughout your season, you have injury, you have to rehab, there's a mindset that you have to stay in. And it's like this competitive mindset that you have to be prepared for the next opportunity you get to play because it's what it's ultimately what you're rehabbing for. And so for these guys going to play in the AHL, I think it's going to be a nice stepping stone. Um, obviously it's a, a little bit different hockey from the NHL. And so I think price is going to get half the game and then Gallagher is ready to go. I mean, he always looks like he shot out of a cannon anyways. So <laughs> I, I think that they're, they're going to be ready for the playoffs. All right, so it's not just uh, Laval and Toronto tonight on the ice. Dream Gap Tour continues in St. Louis tonight. When are you back on the ice? We will be back on the ice, I believe, on Sunday. Um, we get to Calgary on Wednesday, and we're going to have to quarantine uh, for a couple of days. When we get there, we'll have a practice, and then we're right into games too. So I'm like Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're ready to hit the ground running? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's going to be so awesome. Uh, it's the first time that we played hockey, competitive hockey, in about 14 months. So we're so excited uh, to be hosted by the Flames and get to play hockey. It, it's um... It's obviously something that and I was talking about this last week with the WNBA season getting underway. When the pandemic hit, I thought that, um, you know, women's sports may have been hit harder than men's sports, given the momentum that we had moving into the pandemic. Do you feel like you're starting to ratchet that momentum back up? And whenever we get a world championship announcement, that's kind of the next step. I think so. I think with women's sports, what we've always had to do is create our own momentum and create our own waves, (laughs) really. And so we always know that men's professional sports leagues, they're going to get taken care of. There are a lot of people who are needing and wanting them to get up and running. And so we had to really take this onus on ourselves um, to push our PWHPA Dream Gap Tour forward because obviously it's very important to us it's very important for our fans and the next generation of women's hockey players and so we were able to get our events uh, up and running in new york and chicago the american girls are also playing in st louis this weekend and then we're headed to calgary so we're excited because we get to have all of our games in one week so it's it's going to be a blast all right big star like i said off the top uh it wasn't enough for you to get your own barbie you had to go out and get some magazine covers as well l magazine the latest to uh sign up our star of print and pictures what was it like to share the cover of l magazine with bridget lacat and hannah button well my hair is a little different today i didn't yeah. brush it out so yeah. <laughs> it's not as fun for sure but I, don't, I don't have the was- same problem yeah, <laughs> it was such a cool experience. I mean, I'm super into the fashion, the beauty, uh, the makeup world. And so when we were approached by Elle and also Secret Canada and they wanted to do a feature on the PWHPA, I think we all just jumped on it. And so that experience was so cool. Just to seeing the behind the scenes, uh, the stylist, the makeup artist, everybody, the photographer, it was awesome. And so there's a nice feature in there. It is out in stores, I believe, on May 17th. So you guys can pick up your coffee yeah your copy um i was in the store the other yeah and the hell yeah get a coffee and a copy you're good to go (laughs) yeah i was in the store the other day looking at one and our magazine was beside like zendaya and i was like oh me zendaya same thing so cool all right all right as if you don't have enough things going on are you doing the good deeds cup as well yes 
So this was our fifth season um, and the champion, the Victoria Admirals were crowned um, a couple of months ago. So they were able to win their hundred thousand dollars for the charity of their choice. And it was such a cool um, year. Obviously there was a ton of uncertainty around everything. And so getting these minor hockey league, minor hockey teams was so inspiring for me because they didn't have a season. They weren't able to play, but they were able to come together, bond as a team and, and really help in their community. And it wasn't just the admirals. It was the teams across Canada. And so it was really inspiring for me to see. And I think that every team did an absolutely fantastic job every year. Uh, it's wonderful to see for more information, Chevrolet, GoodDeedsCup.ca. Sarah, always great catching up with you. You can run the full gamut. I appreciate it. Thank you. See you soon. We will. We will. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Nurse. Coming up next, last call. Jesse Rubinoff back in the equation and a tip of the cap to Canadian soccer. Next. Welcome back. Our Monday tip of the cap goes to Canadian soccer players who had an amazing weekend. First, Jesse Fleming. Chelsea in the Women's Champions League final on Sunday. Sunday, unfortunately, Fleming did not get off the bench. Her Chelsea side loses 4-0 to Barcelona. Maybe take her off the bench. Now, <laughs> a better fate for Atiba Hutchison and Kyle Lahren, who clinched the Turkish League title with Besiktas in England. Theo Corbianu made his Premier League debut for Wolves. He's already been capped by the Canadian national team. He celebrated his 19th birthday by scoring two goals for the academy today. While Daniel Jebison, who was born in Oakville, scored just seven minutes into his first Premier League start with Sheffield United. He hasn't been capped for Canada, played for England at the youth level, but he spent a lot of time in Canada, and it's not done. Next weekend, the Canadian soccer train could keep rolling as Jonathan, David, and Lille can secure the league title with a win. The Jebison story is interesting. He's the youngest player in Premier League history to score in his first start. It's crazy. And uh, his father, quite the basketball player at Brandon, um, we might be able to convince him maybe that England isn't the path to the future. Uh, but we'll see about that uh, as Canada continues to try and kind of put an imprint on international football as we welcome back Jesse Rubinoff to the equation. Seems like Canada's getting there, slowly but surely. I'm le legit players all over the world right yeah. now. Like, and I know Atiba, Atiba's probably one of the more underrated athletes in Canadian yeah. history. And like, he was for a while like the lone guy at a big club. And now you look around and it's just one after another, after another, yeah. after another. Davies has really propelled that, I think, too. So yeah, with our, we, we just did a, a tip of the cap to Canadian soccer and didn't mention yeah. Alfonso Davies. There you go. That's how far we've come. There you go. Uh, Last call, former Olympic teammates Haley Wickenheiser and Danielle Goyette are now both working for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Wickenheiser, who joined the organization in 2018, has been promoted to Senior Director of Player Development. Wait a second. While Goyette... You keep going. I'll, I won't stop you. I'll stop okay. you after. ...has been hired as Director of Player Development for both the Leafs and Marlies. Do you think we'll see a woman behind the bench in the NHL anytime soon? Yes. What else did you want to say? The answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah. I, I, we're seeing him in every other sport. There will be an assistant coach who gets behind the bench as a woman, and then we'll have a head coach eventually. I don't know when that time comes, but I could see the assistant coach mm -hmm. happening very soon. Didn't Haley Wickenheiser just get her MD? 
Like, didn't she just become officially a doctor after being the best player on planet Earth for a good amount of time? That's confirmed. And now, I'm not like, what can't this woman do? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, in a very short amount of time, she's making things happen. It's like, it's almost like the Laurent Duvernay Tardif story yeah. for me. It makes me feel lazy mm-hmm. every time. And I, I consider myself to be a pretty hard worker. Yeah, you're not lazy. And compared to them... It's ridiculous what they're able to do. So shout out Harry Wickenheiser and becoming a medical doctor, which to me is just like wild. I won't hit the button. A tough weekend for the NBA's tallest players on Saturday. <laughs> yes. Boston's seven foot five Taco Fall got dunked on by Minnesota's Jake Lehman. Then on Sunday, also against the Timberwolves, the Mavs seven foot four Boban Marjanovic got crowned by Carl Anthony Towns. So who had the worst weekend, Taco or Boban? I'm gonna say Taco, and here's the reason why. Both of them got dunked on by yeah. a wolf. Uh, I, although I do believe that Boban was just extending. I mean, he got it in the face, though. It's tough. I feel bad. Uh, Taco was contesting, but it wasn't just because he got dunked on I that see Taco had the mm-hmm. worst weekend. Uh, Mike Breen, who's going into the Hall of Fame, went into the Hall of Fame. Went into the Hall of Fame and then went, did this. Went into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and then here's, we all make mistakes, kids. We all make mistakes. <laughs> Well, keeps it alive, but right to Taco Bell. Here comes Parker. Did I just say Taco Bell? <laughs> oh, my God. You must be hungry, bro. <laughs> you must be hungry, Gets bro. Gets into the Hall of Fame and then just falls off the wagon. How often Bang. in university did you do Taco Bell at an ungodly hour? No, no. Not very often. No? Sebi, no. you laughed knowingly? No. No, no not even you. No. I did all the time. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm okay with it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it is well known that Adam Sandler is a big basketball fan, and this weekend videos of the comedian playing in a pickup game in Long Island went viral. If you could play pickup with any comedian, Timmy, who would you choose? Look at those baggy shorts. <laughs> those are amazing. <laughs> he lives the life. Though, let me just say this: like, I want, I wish I was Adam, just making movies to make people laugh, putting mm-hmm. his friends in those movies. The the correct answer to this is one. Russell Peters, because I like the guy. I think mm. he's very funny. And two, it's Dave Chappelle. Why? It's Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Just want to be around him. Dave Chappelle. Make you laugh. Game. Blouses. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Chappelle Murphy. Is the right answer. Uh, always appreciate you uh, running shotgun here. You're just like the co-host now. I appreciate it. <laughs> Jesse Rubinoff, everybody. That does it for us. I want to thank everyone who jumped by. Uh, Donovan Bennett, the whole crew, Sarah Nurse, Nick Nurse, the nurses. Uh, coming up next, Caps and Bruins available to all viewers, Sportsnet Ontario, West, and Pacific. We'll enjoy it. You enjoy it. Could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be here with us. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.